we got the date wrong of our Nashville show. We after we like had to straight up cancel, we then like were driving back and we we're like, people like hit us up like, yeah, you fucking didn't show up, whatever. And we were like in St. Louis. Yeah, that's when we met Josh. Oh yeah, yeah. but it was like <laughs> it was all on accident. It was really bad. Damn. It was. It wasn't. You know, we were just kind of figuring out how to do certain stuff. Just but, kids. Um, just kids having fun a couple kids but uh that's how the rumor started that we were 15 and didn't know how to drive (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like our grandma's car hi this is jack callahan and you are listening to 400 floor you just heard from ezra paget and mark yosefescu better known together as angels in america Growing up in Manhattan, Ezra and Mark found each other at a young age and began engrossing themselves in the New York music scene of the aughts, making their way up to Montreal and starting their band, which quickly got the attention of Sonic Youth's Thurston Moore, among many others. They own their highly individual style of music that's noisy yet melodic, straightforward yet conceptual, deadpan yet slapstick, and linked up with many of the major players of the 2010s underground as they toured and made records. I've known Ezra and Mark for about 15 years now, and this conversation was a great way to get to know my friends better, and I think they even learned a thing or two about each other as well. This episode has been edited from the full conversation, which is available at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. This is 400 Floor. Let's go on and get into it. Hey, what's up? Um, uh, okay. Ezra, do you want to just like talk about like kind of how you got into just music in general, like even like at an early age or whatever, like were your were your parents like musical at all? I mean, you grew up both you and Mark grew up in New York, so obviously that's like a head start above like probably most people in the world. My family wasn't musical at all yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> Except for your dad's guitar music. Well, which... yeah, now he's got a little guitar music going. Well, Actually, cool. now they both have a little music going. Hmm. Whoa, damn! So later in life, but this wasn't in Not any. This specific. wasn't a part when you were growing up. Um, my first show was Cracktoberfest. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, how old were you? Twelve. Amazing. Where was that? A sea squat. Wow. God damn, New Yorkers are built different. But I didn't know about like big music. Like I never went to like a show at like an arena or whatever. Which is like the total opposite of probably most people, like not growing up in the city or whatever, where it's like the my first show was uh my first like show show as like someone who was like, I'm into like playing guitar was like Santana. <laughs> Which is like at like the XL Energy Center in St. Paul. I was I, I saw that tour too. That's really natural. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. But wasn't your first show Weird Al? Yeah, but <laughs> right after that was yeah, it was Weird Al at um at the Beacon Theater, <laughs> and then uh, it was it was really good. Running with Scissors era, and then um. But then, yeah, I saw Santana and Rusted Root with my dad ah, damn, at, uh, yes. at um, Jones Beach. Damn. Yeah, Rusted Root sadly wasn't on the le- the Midwest <laughs> leg of damn. the tour. Do you remember who opened? I'm trying to remember. It was because I saw like kind of back to back. I also saw Eric Clapton and it was yes. like some other. 
I, fuck, who op- I can't I can't remember who opened. I'm sure there's a uh, strong jam bass. I could I could I could figure yeah, it out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, as as a who, how did you go to that that the C Squat show? How like did you just have like friend? I mean, you were in middle school at this point. Did you just have? Did a friend take you? Like a older friend yeah, or something? I don't know. Actually, I went with like this my like punk friend from the neighborhood, and um his dad actually like chaperoned us but he didn't come inside to the show and he was just hanging out at this hookah bar next door (laughs) and then like by the end of the night he had made friends with all the guys at the hookah bar and so they also had like a car service business and he had like he was like just like these are my homies now like they're gonna give us a ride home and in this like limo and so then he like had this limo pulled up in front of c squad and we were like so oh, mortified my god <laughs> so it was like insane. the worst that could possibly like be going down that's like wor- that's like 10 times worse <laughs> that's pretty sick though yeah is c squad still there c squad's still around right yeah i saw it like yeah they own summer. it now, right? they're not yeah. this yeah I saw a bunch of well, you're right near there. I saw a bunch yeah. of the homies still like posted up over there. Fuck God, <laughs> what are they? They're like sixty now. Like they got to be like that's insane. yeah. There's this one guy that we call Father Time. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Which indicates if you were calling him Father Time twenty years ago, Lord yeah. knows what he looks like. And now. I saw him. I saw him outside last summer. I think he looked like exactly the same. Um, Mark, what did so your first your first show? Weird Al. Weird Al um, at the beach. Yeah. I don't know. I had an older brother who, like, briefly, really briefly was, like, a kind of, like, 90s, like, ska punk. And he's four years older than I was. So he, but when he was, like, in middle school, so I was really young. And he had, like, um, let's see, it was, like, Dookie was, like, an early major CD that I was, like, that I bought for myself because he wouldn't give me his copy. <laughs> and uh the like punkarama comps and stuff like that but uh but then he like went he like zigged in like a major way and just started like doing all this getting and all this other shit that i was not like interested in so i uh i took the baton or whatever kind of but i was just i was like pretty i don't know it was i was into that stuff and i like like was pretty dedicated to like green day and rancid and stuff like that but then simultaneously i was just getting into the like classic like indie canon of that era especially and like kid a came out when i was 10 or something which is something that you and i have bonded over including being in a radiohead cover band for halloween years ago but yeah in the before times uh but sorry but uh yeah and so like i started to i when i started going to shows it was all like it was very much like new millennium like indie like meet me in the bathroom era like whatever like all those kinds of bands but that was what i was most into and then like gradually it merged with the other like parts of what i was excited about and i like started like before i was playing music that was what i cared about so when did you two meet each other and like under what circumstances seventh grade 2001 it was like september 11th (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but seriously, it actually was right around. Yeah. It actually sure, was but... like 
on the day of or a few days before. <laughs> our school, our seventh grade, like the way our school worked was seventh grade was like the start of high school, which is also oh, when... Did you, was this Hunter? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I had gone there for elementary school and Ezra came for the high school and like high school started in seventh grade. So there was big influx of new kids at the beginning of seventh grade, which was like, yeah, like September 9th, like 2001 or whatever for us. So uh, we met around then sometime. Do you remember what like the actual first meeting like circumstances were like or like how, I don't know, like what it, if it made a, an impact on you? Clearly you remember the, the day. So. I honestly don't remember the day. Damn. I feel like we maybe met on like the first day of school or something, but I don't think we were in any of the same classes. We were in a bunch of classes in together in the next year in eighth grade. Yeah. Mr. Molina class. Yeah. But not, um, but yeah, I think in seventh grade, I don't know. You just kind of knew that they were all like, cause I kind of had my, my friends or whatever from this like smaller, like group that was in the elementary school. And then you were like trying to like figure out all who was who of the new kids. And I feel like you were in there somewhere. The other thing was then I had like one friend that I like went to lunch with every day. And I feel like Mark became, it's a big, you know, honestly, I don't even need to talk about it that much, but. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, uh, this is what it is. <laughs> but apparently me and Mark weren't that close at the beginning of the year because she was invited to Mark's bar so and I wasn't. Oh. Yeah, so that was, that's actually how we must have met, because we were both friends with the same person, but, like, kind of separately. Ezra, were you totally, like, were you punked out in seventh grade? You had purple hair. Hell yeah, yeah. I, had, I had purple hair. I was definitely, like, punked out in, like, a 12-year-old way. Well, but a 12-year-old who's, like, went to, like crack fest or whatever like at sea squats which is yeah again it's very different from a punked out 12 year old in minneapolis for the most part but what about you mark were you were you normie <laughs> yeah i was normie but i was like trying to you're like ironic no well all right. <laughs> yeah, nothing ever changes i think i was like super like you know like uh i wanted to be like like dark you know like I got my like eraser head shirt on and popping like really early. Damn. And that was seventh grade. That was kind of like oh, my, yeah. that was like my bid for identity for sure. For sure. Which is still, still Lynch is still Lynch on is that. A big, yeah, exactly. Still on that. Too. It never never grew out of it. <laughs> I actually have a lot of thoughts about it, but um, <laughs> yeah, we can yeah, we can hey, save it, save it, save it, buddy. For the bonus episode. <laughs> when did you? Well, Mark, specifically, when did you start playing music, like playing guitar or whatever? Yeah, like um, right around that set or like in sixth grade, I think, is when I got a guitar and like took lessons. And I took lessons with this dude who was Dan Smith, my friend. What's that? Dan Smith. Yeah. No. Um, People don't know about but, Dan but, Smith anymore, by the way. That's no, crazy. Back. Really? He has like a really popular YouTube and he does like. But he does like tutorial. I, yeah, I, think he has, I, I read like, that. The, the, the Times not like a New York thing anymore. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the the the, de the death of uh you know print media. You know, maybe it's he doesn't fly as much as he used to. 
I'm pretty sure there's still, I don't know, it's like him and like, uh, there's a bunch, there's still like the psychic person and like Dr. Zizmore and all that stuff is still around, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they, how their like lives are going. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) but speaking of that, the dude that was my guitar teacher was this, um, was this like struggling actor and, uh, he was so sick and he was in, uh, the movie Hannibal. Oh, Uh, whoa. Like an extra? He's one of the cops. At the, oh, no, he's amazing. like a, he's like a, it's a small role, but, uh, he gets killed by somebody at the beginning. Um, and he was gnarly and like was also in, I think, I swear he was in like Trans Siberian Orchestra or something like that. Like he had all these weird like showbiz, like he would be in like choirs and shit. He's just like a theater music acting, like just like kind of like fail, failing like just like guy, but biz was, biz guy like in like different enter- enter- entertainment fields so he was my original teacher and then i and then i did a bunch of um and then i like got super into trying to figure like i, I stopped taking lessons for a long time and and was uh got obsessive about like like just playing so- like tabs and like playing songs that i liked and and figuring it, it out more that way but i like yeah i had taken a handful of lessons from that dude and then um piano lessons and stuff like that also at different stages but always like the same kind of like relationship to it where it's like i would start taking lessons and then kind of like dip out you'd get far enough. i mean yeah i feel like that's a common thing i feel like i kind of had that at a certain point like you reach a point where you're like oh i have the proficiency enough to kind of like figure my way out of stuff and then you just like whatever yeah even though it would have been sick like probably to continue and i would have like a lot of the like the the proficiency that i thought i had was like very like specific and context dependent and like limited but it also resulted in like how music ended up working for me so that seems like a fine thing When did you move past just like playing guitar and into like more like actually like writing your own songs? Was that later? Was that like one more important story? Please. The early time. Yeah, please, please. Our our music teacher in seventh grade. You had him too, right? Mr. Rosenberg? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah, this is some, this is some shit. (laughs) I think you'll get it, Jack. He did this thing where it was like, seventh grade first day of music class like whatever you don't play instruments type of class you just like learn about music or whatever and he makes everyone in the room like stand away like get out of their desk and stand at the back of the room and then he takes a desk and just throws it across the room against the wall and then he's like is that music wow okay <laughs> Wow, mind blower! <laughs> like, uh, so real, uh, real, real uh, school of rock moment, you know? Yeah, it's pretty. Crazy. Yeah, and then, but, and also, uh, I had this fourth grade teacher to bring it to bring it even further back, who was like a faint, like in the elementary school, he was like had this 
fucking reputation for like being like super tough but like you'll like you'll learn like who you are like there was all this like mythos around his class uh and like how like he like didn't play by the rules or whatever and all this stuff and he uh he like yeah he had like a very like specific like curriculum that he just kind of like invented and uh, a big part of it was just like listening to einstein on the beach by Philip Glass wow. like, constantly he was a, he was like it was like baby Einstein. It was like play this, play something for your baby, and they'll like get smarter. He was like yeah, yeah, yeah. assuming that just like exposing. I mean, it, it's true. It's like a net positive thing, obviously. But at the time, I was just like, ugh, this is so like. It just felt like such like a self consciously like whatever like mentor like mind expanding thing or something. But obviously, like it worked in a lot of ways, and I do. And I'm like now you're on playing the the glass etudes, right? I'm a glass boy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a major glass boy since I got the piano. So sick. Well, as a, like, what about you? When did you, when did you start like making your own music? Did you did you study an instrument first, or did you just no. did you just start? Did you like play in a bands before Angels? Or yeah, like? I had. I mean, I would just not really, but I would just like would play in like random cover bands with my like punk friends. And then I also had this like one person band that um, that was also kind of a leftover crack adjacent situation. Yeah. <laughs> but I but yeah, I just had this one person band that I wrote songs that I would sing a cappella that I thought were fun. But the guy but Stizza from Leftover Crack was like my number one fan and would always wear my patch. Wow. But it was, That's it amazing. <laughs> it wasn't like um no, I didn't study music or anything. Okay, yeah. So then, Mark, when when did you like move like beyond just like playing music or like just playing like tabs or whatever to being like I can like write my own song? Yeah, um, like in high school, um, I didn't do anything too like official. I remember I played. I like had a fake band that never like did anything, but we like practiced a couple times with this one friend of mine. But they, but like mostly, um, I got like, um, like a Tascam, like kind of. It was a digital recorder, but it was like a the same. It was like a four track like style, like right. kind of like, like four faders, tabletop, like yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. um, but you could just you could just like you didn't have to like bounce it down over and over again because it wasn't tape. Um, but there was still like some limit on how many tracks you could do. But I started to record that way and like try to figure out stuff that had to do like that was like guitar and some the actually the same fucked up keyboard that um, I just used at that show the other month. Oh, yeah. Um, like the Yamaha, just like little I just had I like had a bunch of little like garbagey like instruments and started to put them together. Um, and yeah, it was all around like the middle of high school to like second half of high school. One time I recorded something, Ezra, you probably won't remember this, but I recorded this thing for my like June project. Uh, this like, this like, you know, English paper kind of thing that we had to do where it was like a creative component. It was like my most like ambitious thing with all this like Tascam, like multi-track recording. And, uh, I played it for Ezra, I remember, and you like, you kind of like faint praised like the fuck out of it, but it was cool. You were like, it was, it kind of sucked. It was like, it was fine, but I didn't really have it yet. Um, but I was working it. I was working it. But out. I said it was really good. No, you were like, 
like this one's cool like this part's cool like it's like you know that that language that we've all come to know so well where it's like fuck like say find something to like compliment yeah fine it looks like you're looks like you're having a lot of fun up there yeah exactly but i didn't i wasn't i didn't i wasn't bummed but it was uh but yeah that was like trying to trying to crack the code on a bunch of stuff around that time and not really recording with um like a computer which is actually how like what happened with angels eventually but prior to that so then from there i guess like i guess maybe we're in like high school now or whatever like what then the big the big question is like how did you first get exposed to like weirder music or whatever like a gateway or like go slash what how did you go to your first like noise show I think the stuff I started to get excited about was like getting a little bit weirder um just from like paper trails from stuff you're already into and just kind of like talking to people like at a certain point Ezra told me about Royal Trucks for sure. Oh yeah, big one. <laughs> um and also like um I don't know, like I found I think oh actually FM WFMU is a big one. Yeah, totally. Uh, I got really into WFMU when I was like fifteen or around like two thousand four. Um and, and you're in a place all, that uh, I got into FMU also in high school, but you're you were actually in a place that you could listen to it in, on uh, terrestrial uh, radio. Yeah, and so I listened to me. I me and this one friend would always would listen to it obsessively, um, and then like it was also just like a period where the like kind of like noise rock type stuff was like ascendant in a way. I feel like so it was like I got really. I remember being really really psyched about. Boris or something or like Boris and like Comets on Fire and like uh like Magic Markers and all that kind of stuff so then like and Load Records like USA is a Monster I remember getting that CD in high school and like having all of this like just like realizing that like the stuff that I cared about that was on uh like theoretically like I was like good at in the way of like having this Eraserhead t-shirt like I was like I could like figure out like what was like or what could be perceived as like you know, weirder, like off the beaten path stuff that was still pretty much like dominant mainstream, like culture versions of it. Not that they're, not that that's good or bad, but like that's kind of where it lived. And then like little bit by like bit by bit, like actually figuring out the stuff that felt like it was deeper off the beaten path. And then like finding, uh, like Hanson mail order, like getting the culture side CD because the write up was like, this is why, like, this whole genre exists or whatever. Just, like, finding my way to things that... Like, the the one I, the one where he just sings over the songs? Yeah, yeah. Tacky Souvenirs yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-Revolutionary America is, like, also, like, Weird Al-esque. So, honestly, maybe I was... I had it from the jump. But, yeah, that's how it felt. It's like, oh, this is, like, kind of the path that has been laid out, but it also feels like... Like, I'm actually getting into, like, darker air, like, weirder areas that I wouldn't necessarily have known to do. And it's, I don't know, it was, like, that was what it started feeling really fulfilling and really, like, something new was happening for me. Did you feel, like, a connection in a way, like, versus bigger bands that are, you know, like, you being into, like, Radiohead or whatever, like, like, then getting into something like... Maybe not Royal Trucks because that's like a little older or something, but maybe like, I don't know. Did you like, did you start to have a sense that it was like an actual like 
music scene or like something that was you could actually like be in contact with yeah definitely when did you start like when did you start to like sort of like get that sense of like the sort of community like scene or whatever i think for me it was like mostly around the WFMU stuff because I started volunteering there also. And so I was like, people would come in to like bands would come in and do live performances or times new Viking. I remember that you did like a show for them. Yeah. I would like, I was, so I, I helped, I helped set up shows because I was a volunteer and like, yeah, like bit by bit, you're like coming into contact with this thing that feels like, yeah, it's like seek on the one hand, it's like very small scale networks and like, non-dominant like non-commercial like you know means of networking and touring and all that kind of stuff but on the other hand it's like yeah you like there's like some infrastructure that you start to see the shape of uh and yeah it's super exciting i feel like but it like i i think i was weirdly kind of late to that because i was like a little i was just like a little removed like just like trying to listen to stuff or try like getting obsessed with it in like an isolated way but uh but yeah like bit by bit and then like way later it was like being in wherever in montreal and in providence and stuff like that and seeing it more there than i did in new york i feel like but um but that was just me Ezra, how did you, what was your like initial in into getting into like the scene we all know each other from basically? I think it was through um, our friend Griffin. You know, we were friends, but he lived in Kansas City, but he came to New York this one time and like we had been friends for a long time. He was just into like punk and like crust. Then suddenly he was like obsessed with wolf eyes and he came to New York and we went to No Fun Fest and it was like right near my parents' house. I think I was like a junior in high school. Wait, where? Maybe. Which which year was that? Like 2006? E- yeah, it was 2006 because it was the year that what's it called? Tarantula Hill had the fire. Oh yeah, Thurston did the the fundraiser CD or whatever. Yeah, and like um, Twig did this like performance that was like all like after the fire, like so crazy. And that was, that was like really like had an impact on me. And I feel like, and also Jessica Ryland, I think that was that year too. But yeah, it was like, that was like this festival that happened and everyone came to town and it was like, it was like so crazy, like two or three days. And it was right by my parents' house. So I could like kind of stay out for the whole thing without like getting in trouble or whatever. And like, And I was like, I feel like this thing happens with like punk stuff where in in the era of like our age group or something, or I don't know, maybe even a little younger too. Like at some point, like people grow up a little bit, like they grow out of being like bratty punks of like their preteen years or whatever. And they want to be like something else. And my friends 
it just got into this like really corny like folk punk thing. And I like really didn't like it. And I stopped being interested in it and I was like, I'm into like metal or something. Then like yeah, then then there was just this period where it was like that no fun fest happened, but then I and then Griffin went back to Kansas City and I didn't really have any friends that were into that, but I would be on the like message boards or whatever, like iHeart Noise message board or whatever. Yeah, totally. Like <laughs> and like find out about some random show in Williamsburg and go to my go like by myself. Yeah, you're like this is like senior year of high school, like two thousand seven, two thousand six. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't really like know anyone in that scene. Can you re- can you remember any shows that you went to in high school? Um, I just keep thinking about this show that was like um oh well one one show that was so good was this Sword Heaven show. Oh, amazing, yeah. The best noise band. It was at this like diner in Bushwick and that like closed at 3 p.m. or something. And it was like, it was like daytime. Uh, and like Aaron Hibbs was just like, had all this shit tied to his leg and was like dragging it all around the diner and like out onto the street and all this stuff. And I was like, so crazy. And then there, for some reason, this other show sticks in my mind, which I think it was mostly because I was just like, it's so weird that I'm like here by myself. It was, what was that band called? Like Vegas. Um, it was like Dom's band that was like noise rock. There was like a guitar player. Oh, what about like We're, Hospital Records and like Jammy Land or whatever? Oh, yeah, that's true. Also, oh, yeah, in the basement. That was the other thing. Like that was my other like way. Like after the first No Fun Fest, that was the year that Hospital Records had, he like opened it that week of No Fun Fest. And so then, like, I was like, okay, now this is, like, this thing that I'm into. And I, like, went there, like, the next week or something. And it was, like, in the basement of Jammyland, this reggae store. And you had to, like, go in a hatch in the floor down this ladder into the tiny room. Amazing. I never went there. I only went to the the sec the one near Anthology or whatever. It was there, like, but the, I always heard about the he ladder. Took over the, yeah, it's yeah the same I think it was the property place. or whatever. Oh, it's the same. Oh, so Jamiland moved out yeah. and he took over the whole place. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's, oh, it's Vegas Martyrs. Yes. <laughs> with with FFH. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was kind of a sick band, honestly. Damn. Yeah, I never heard of <laughs> Shit. That's insane. <laughs> All right. So you guys then went to McGill. Did you guys both coordinate that? Or did like you independently like <laughs> go to McGill without knowing? We like semi-coordinated it. Yeah. We were like both talking about and like kind of like getting excited about Montreal, I feel like. Yeah. Then we were like what if we like, what if we did this? And then what about Montreal? Were you guys into? It was like not America or something. It just seemed like it was an exciting, like new option or something. Yeah. Not New York really wanted to leave for me at least. And uh, like, but something that like, we didn't have a bunch of like context for maybe, or like that I couldn't like, I like thought I knew what the deal was with certain other places, but I like didn't really know that much about Montreal. 
just like easy to like get like just like all whatever like gas up about it because it was like uh, semi it was like unclaimed space yeah and it was like a city that seemed like it had some kind of new york vibe in the same way or something but was like really foreign to us. do you guys st- still stay in touch with the friends from up there like those people you lived with mark or like i i'm in touch with yeah. a bunch of people yeah most people have left from yeah. our like fucking little like era cohort but not most but a lot um so it's a really different place now. I would say I think most. Yeah. Did you guys start Angels in New York or did you start it up in Montreal, like officially? It's in Montreal. In Montreal. Yeah. Do you remember like the genesis of that sort of, or, like that idea of just one of you guys is being like, let's start a band or? I mean, the amount of, the degree of isolation that we <laughs> had <laughs> once we got to Montreal, especially once like the winter hit was like, kind of insane i feel like and so it was like out of desperation we were just like we're in this apartment all the time and then there's like a video store across the street that we go rent movies at and we had like two like a few friends that would come over to our apartment and then i don't remember how it's the first conversation about it yeah there was like always some notion i think it was mostly an idea that we would just like make a record or like make a tape or something or like do something and it wasn't like a band it was we were treating it like a band with like whatever like a name and like iconography and all this kind of stuff but it was like it, it was, was like pretty a much a, yeah project. it was a recording project yeah. but i definitely mostly because like we just couldn't possibly like we couldn't imagine possibly playing a show i feel like but it was sort of like <laughs> yeah. always an idea that we would do a band i feel like and then it was like figuring out like how it would work and like what the which i kind of remember the one conversation that was like so actually i remember the band that it was and i'm gonna say yamal yuk we were at this show <laughs> this band yamal yuk was playing and it was like yeah it's sort of like you know like in like uh, like some very like it was noise rock or whatever it was like uh, it was the kind of stuff that was was happening a lot at that time but it, which is to say like real instruments but super noisy and like i knew that i had the guitar and like we had like a like a loop pedal that was kind of it and then like random shit uh that we could make noises with or whatever so it was like okay wouldn't it be sick if it was kind of like this and then at some point at the yamalik show we had some conversation where it was like imagine if it was this but then there was like a little bit there was like a song for like a half second or for like a brief moment there was like a yeah like a like a like a song like real music just like a more constructive whatever like yeah like as counterpoint like a more like constructed like traditional like type song or something like that but uh that's part of it or something i can't remember that well so like from you guys starting the band i you guys both made the decision to leave mcgill after your first year no i didn't you didn't you stayed you stayed for another but you didn't graduate from there. No, right? I stayed for another year, though. Oh, okay, right. But so, Mark, then you transferred to Hampshire, where we met. You were an incoming second year, and I was a first year. Incoming. And, I, <laughs> and I, I distinctly remember meeting you on the first day when Swift and Cameron and I were going up to my room to jam, quote-unquote, after meeting in the quad and being like, you're into weird music somehow, like wearing a band shirt and being like, oh... 
like I know them or whatever, and you were on like the floor below me or something, and you saw us and came up to us transfer and you hall, transfer right? hall, yeah, and you were like, you like because we looked like mid thousands like noise like 18 year olds or whatever it was old time religion we got old time religion yeah thanks for this because ben swift had an old time religion had a had like a you know a errington shirt yeah yeah yeah, yeah, totally you're into that like i'm into that that's right like i'm into weird stuff like like i just like yeah i like really like pitched hard in the in the Um, stairwell i remember and then you came up to my room yeah we were going to the open mic we were going we're on our way to the me and my like hall mates were on the way to the open mic for like the general like college (laughs) open mic which probably would have been so sick so dope but i was like this was the first day before classes even started literally the first day and, and when like, we went up to my room and we jammed, like it sounded like wet hair or something like it that. It was some, it was 07 rock or noise rock or 08, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But so then I remember that you guys had recorded that tape that you, the first tape that you had independently put out, but you had sent it to Thurston and Thurston had he wrote you back. Like I even remember, I think like when he wrote you back. Yeah. You got me champagne, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, there was a, there were a couple of steps to it. That was really nice. Jack. Yeah. Hey man. Uh, but yeah, like we recorded, it's actually another Arthur magazine thing, which is funny, but like I, we had recorded the tape the prior, you know, spring or whatever in Montreal, then over the, and then like sent it out to places or like given it to people. And I like gave it to like people at W, like Scott Williams at WFMU. And like we like tried to get it to people. And I, we have one of us sent it to the, party. oh yeah, we had a listening party with Malcolm, <laughs> just one person and or whatever. Two people. And Ben, oh, yeah. there's five. Oh, hell people. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And like, uh, I sent it or maybe you, someone sent it to the, to the Byron Thurston column and Arthur that was like reviewing tapes full time. And then somebody, Ezra, you like called me over the summer and you were like, someone, how did, do you remember how you found that? Or it was on Chondritic, right? It was on I, I heard. No, you found that. Oh, really? Okay. You found, I don't know if you told me about it. But there was something on on that message board where it was like, "Does anyone know who Angels in America are?" T, and then but we didn't know who that was and didn't respond to it. Dripping. Like I had put my like email address. The only contact information on the tape was my my email address, but it was like at hellokitty.com, and I like checked out and I didn't check my email for like a long time <laughs> and and then like one tea, day I was, like, tea was looking i was like traveling i was like on a road trip and i was in like Asheville, north carolina and i checked my email and i there was an email that was just like from thurston being like do you guys want me to put out a record or whatever the man and that was pretty much it one and yeah. done. <laughs> one done. <laughs> yeah, really, really, a, really promoted that a, one. It wasn't even. It was I, a peak. No, I it mean, wasn't even us, on the site. I remember like, I was looking at what it was like. Not even on the site at that's all. That's true. It's been wet. It's been memory hold. But yeah. no. But the. But I just mean like other people put out tapes and records. That's not true either. But it was like this, like really, like crazy. We were like our, you know, we were just starting. We we're like mad young, and then like so, like it was so. It felt like a, a a very like crazy um precipitous like 
thing to have happen. Um, and then just kind of been like chilling ever since. But anyway, that's <laughs> no, neither here nor there. That's it. That's it, folks. That's, that's all. That summer, I went back to St. Louis after our first year at Hampshire. But then, like, you guys, like, played, like, a show? Like, your first live show or something in New York? Is that true? Um, During the year, during the school year, I went back up to Montreal for a second. Because you got Ezra, you guys had booked, like, an Angels show. And we were like, all right, we're going to try to figure out how to play as a band. Was that with the drummer? Yeah. And it's another guitar player. Right. Yeah, right. I remember that was I heard that that was up on uh, FMA. I remember listening to that. True, true. And then I That's and it. then I went to, yeah, oh my god. And then I went to, uh, and then and then for the summer, yeah, I, I I went back up to Montreal that summer, and we played a bunch. We like got more serious about playing shows, and we played a bunch up there. We like recorded a ton of the second tape, and we ended by like touring down and playing with like like touring from montreal to like baltimore right or something the, like that the four piece yeah and that's when we met tater bug oh, oh yeah. my god wait <laughs> tell, tell that story uh we were we like we're doing some shows with stone leather and then he was like i don't know like i want to play some shows with these friends of mine from iowa and all i remember was that they were it was tater bug and sci-fi sam and like they had just gotten like arrested for stealing milk from the supermarket or something like Damn. on the day before. And then, and I had like no idea like what was going on. It was like, they were just like super crusty looking like punk kids. And then Taterbug played at the bank, the show, the show, we, the first show that we played and like, he just like went up to the piano and just sang a bunch of songs on the piano. Just like that. And it was just so good. Wait, how did you guys book that tour? Wait, was this summer 2009? Yeah. Yeah, so after the first year at, at Hampshire. How did you guys book that tour? Like, okay, so like you knew Griffin already, but like, did you guys, were you just like, let's do some shows? Did Griffin book the shows or did you guys like, like how did you like, because then going, like playing the show at like T Hill or whatever is like, Apocal, <laughs> you know, it's like bank. Yeah. oh, at bank, right? He booked some shows, and then we booked some shows, and Cuddler kind of booked some shows. <laughs> That's also when we played at um, like Monster Island. It's like a Todd P show. Oh God! Wait, who was the uh, show with? with? Do you remember? Teen Girl Fantasy. Oh, yeah. with Logan. Yeah. This dude rolled oh, that's up. so funny. Yeah. It was like a bit of a funny mismatch, mostly because we were just like, had never played a show like remotely. I don't know. Large how scale or whatever. That show. Why was yeah. it a show? It was like a Todd P show? Yeah, it was a Todd P show. But wasn't it Griffin? It must have been Griffin. I guess so. That was the show where after we played, we were outside and, uh, 
someone was like arriving late, you know, and saw like their friends and were like, ah, oh, shit, like, what did I miss or whatever? And the person was like, uh, nothing, just the worst band ever. Or something like that. <laughs> just like right in front of all, or right in front of Marcus or something like that. Um, just like truly like some weird like overlaps that weren't quite like right yet. But, um, but it was a cool, but it was fun to like do all those shows. That was like, proof of concept kind of for like playing shows even though it didn't actually prove that we could play shows (laughs) so from that like what was the sort of transition to going like full just like duo with like electronics or whatever from that we started to i feel like there was some point where we started to realize that we could play the songs that we were making (laughs) like yeah got more like gear and we started making new songs that we were like knew we could play live instead of like trying to figure out how to play live these songs that had never been intended to be like that i personally remember i was in like it was i guess there's like a full year or whatever like 2010 but then i remember 2011 i was gone for half the year abroad and then I came back and you guys said it was like full on just like drum machine synth like whatever and it was like damn like seeing you guys play then that show which I guess was a little bit later but like when you guys toured with uh Darren and uh Darren Ho who I think mentioned on almost every single interview I've done um there'll be a Darren focused episode um but you guys did the tour with Darren and uh, Steve Hauschild. That was like fall t- 2011. Was that after you did a tour with Christopher? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. And yeah. with Wise Blood. Oh, yeah. Talk about the tour with Christopher. How did you guys first meet Christopher? Also, important person for you guys and probably for a lot of people. He, uh, I think I was like, I was living in Baltimore and he came and played a show at America. I remember. That's I think when I first met him. I met him at Feeding Tube Records because he was in town from he was in Western Mass. Like for I think it was like it wasn't Kefua. It was like a main person playing, and he came to see it. And someone was like, "You guys should like you guys would get along or whatever." So then you did the full U.S. tour. With, what was he put? What was his moniker then? Mark Lord. That I was think. Mark. That was Mark Lord era. Mark Lord era. You guys throw. I just remember. I remember one notorious story, obviously, from that tour in uh, the north, the northern territories. Yeah, <laughs> that actually was so crazy. because we did. We went on a tour. We went on two tours that summer. Were they connected, or like, did you come back and then go on? They had like one? a little break in between. Yeah, we took like a half countrywide tour and then a little break and then a full country tour yeah we did it we did like midwest and stuff with wise blood and then then we came out we had this record release show that was like so crazy a lot of stuff happened Wait, why <laughs> what was what was busted about it a lot of shit went down awesome well, okay what was it give me give me one give me one give me one story <laughs> i don't even know <laughs> It was like... Or just tell me who was involved. Was honestly, you don't have to say like, anything. 
It was like a Murphy's, Murphy's Law show. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of there was like pent up energy from like all every aspect of it was like going totally off in the wrong way. Whoa. Where was it? <laughs> it was at the bank. It's like a little mini fest. Like all of these like mad people played Human Beast, Mark Lord, uh, Wise Blood, Female. Oh um, damn! Uh, Shouts out like. I think Christopher played and like his MPC broke and like it deleted everything on it. And then he just poured like his whiskey all over it and like threw it on the ground, like smashed it to pieces. That, that was like the right. first, that was the first like person omen. to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. And then it just like devolved from there. But, yeah. It's really crazy. And then the next morning, I had to take my car back to New York to get it, uh, like, registered or something like that, or inspected before we went on tour, and I fucking crashed on the Jersey Turnpike Oh, Ezra's little brother yeah. and Ben Cudler. Yeah, I remember that. You got the car, like, that week. Oh, yeah, I got in the car, like, that week, and I crashed it right yeah, away, yeah, but yeah, then, yeah. Uh, um, so then we had to do this, like, crazy, um, like, rental car shuffle which ended up totally working and we didn't have to like we didn't we were able to go on tour um and it's like catch up to our itinerary oh great so you had to miss the first couple gigs classic we we had to camp because the first leg was like this weird like south but mostly like florida shows and we kind of had to we canceled like most of them, but but then not all. So our first show is in Tampa, so we had to just drive. Just from drive there. like twenty hours to Tampa. And well, we you guys are like, notorious for you guys uh, are cancel happy in the first place. So you know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's in the past, though. Oh, <laughs> damn. We also forgot that we for- we got the date wrong of our Nashville show. Oh. So like after we missed. We after we like had to straight up cancel. We then like were driving back and we're like, people like hit us up like, yeah, you fucking didn't show up, whatever. And we Whoa. were like in St. Louis. Yeah, that's when we met Josh. Oh yeah, yeah. but it was <laughs> like it was all on accident. It was really bad. Damn. It was. It wasn't. You know, we were just kind of figuring out how to do certain stuff. Just but, kids. Um, just kids having fun. A couple kids, but uh, that's how the rumor started that we were 15 and didn't know how to drive. <laughs> yeah, it's like our grandma's car. She'll do So you guys kind of after that era or maybe concurrently, you guys started doing these radio plays, which honestly, in retrospect now, I kind of I feel like I've talked to you about this a little bit, Mark, like they're actually kind of weirdly influ- even though we were sort of kind of in different corners of the scenes for a while, like earlier on, like I feel like the radio plays are actually like specifically with the stuff that like Jeff and I are doing now, like very kind of uh inspirational to me now 
you know, going going back also. I, have, I mean, I know you see me as like a father figure. In definitely, a lot of ways. for sure. That's another episode for sure. But so like, how did you guys get more into that? Because already like the sort of like kind of your you guys kind of created like a sort of internal world or like language sort of with your work but it kind of like obviously mark you are you're a writer and like that's a big part of your life and like sort of like just use it like writing and language is like very important to you i know but like how did you kind of get just like fully like past like out of music or like going so far to where it's just like eh, you're just making like a straight radio play like how did how did that first kind of come about we did a we did one in montreal too at the same exact fucking time that we were making the oh, first yeah. game oh so that always so that already see i didn't know that yeah i kind of forgot too that was like from the beginning like a part of that's yeah. funny see i had no idea and we actually wrote the script and everything yeah that one actually had a script do you have a recording of that i have i can send you the script it's on Chris's uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. It's on Bin series, the first episode, if you recall. He had a podcast a while, a long time ago. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was a Christmas play, traditional Christmas play. But it was called Enter, Enter Sandman, a series of misunderstandings. And it was like, <laughs> you know, all kinds of sand shit. Damn. Uh, I have to hear that. I'm gonna need a. I'm gonna need a file. I guess you a thumb drive. One thing that's cool about the radio plays is that we get like other random people to be involved. Yeah, for sure. It's a huge community thing, and like I know, like everybody in the sort of scenes that we're in are kind of their own like little like hub for various people within the scene. But like you guys definitely have like, there's you guys are kind of like I feel like central to like a lot of my friends obviously like a lot of the baltimore and providence people kind of and so it's like a real it was definitely a cool way to like kind of like bring a scene like like carve out like what your idea of like the scene is or sort of i don't know it's it's great like you had like i remember at least on the last one you had like brian and like obviously like cuddler or whatever like who did you have on that on that first or second one i guess yeah we had our friend michael crow and but he he became our friend because of the first radio play. So it was kind of like a Thurston situation. He heard the Christopher podcast and heard our Christmas play and was like, who are these people? But like didn't care at all about the music that we played and was like this obsessed with the play. And then so then when we made the next one, we had him like do a, a part in it. It just became like a useful way to get through like I, it wasn't like planned to be part of the like the oeuvre like specifically like the band artistic project i don't think but then we had this like residency in berlin oh yeah and that tape came that out was, of that, right yeah it was yeah, a week and so we we had like this like ridiculous like very painstaking process of how we like recorded stuff especially then but still kind of and so we were like we can't record a music like we can't record a new record during this recording residency, but we obviously have to like do something. And so we like did this radio play. Yeah. That then like Simone from Hundibus like co-released with those people. And then after that, we did another one. So it's like, that was, that became like a alternate like version of how the band like could function, I think. And so now I also 
we'll just say that on this new record, there's like stuff that is like, it's sort of like a melding of like that side of things a little bit more with like the musical side because they always like lived in kind of a weird like I don't know I get that it is feel like it was like hard for people or the few people who cared it was like hard for them to reconcile like these like whatever these like really fucking stupid radio plays with like these kind of like slightly like sometimes like sentiment like overwrought sentimental like musical like excursions also so like we're just gonna put them put them more together yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the definitely the um, I the radio plays for me. Like, I also remember the lat like one of the festivals at Far Rockaway. Like, um, uh, for people who don't know the you know the uh, there's a house in Far Rockaway that is very important to all of us and the people who do that were big part of our community and people as we got we got to know them uh and i remember you guys did like maybe premiered a radio play at one of them like the last one yeah. or whatever was that like that was stickle music yeah zolf stickle music i was playing out in the shed in the back i think was that is that true you have this do you know how you actually say it jack no <laughs> I have, yeah, that's the language <laughs> i've 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 I vaguely recall the the proper the proper di- di- dialect. Yeah, we had a brackish water fountain. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah right. Um, we gave uh, we had a snitches get pickles like uh, promotion where if you snitched on somebody doing something bad, we would we would give you a pickle. And some people didn't really get it. I will say they were like not. I they didn't. I don't think they were like snitching correctly. But then one person did. Uh, I just says to Minsky, he was like, <laughs> he came up to me and he was like, Mark, he's like, look, he pointed out some people. He's like, they're doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's proper snitching. That's proper snitching. So I gave him a pickle because he snitched. Damn, respect. Respect to Alex Minsky. Yeah, I mean, that's like definitely, uh, it's a cool way to showcase, yeah, your your idea of like what, community is or something i don't know all the while like positing some sort of new idea that's beyond like i don't know just playing a show or whatever i for one thought that the installation was very sick and i liked it a lot Um, yeah we should do more stuff like that yeah you definitely should we didn't even get to talk about our smock oh the smocks wait don't be fooled by the smocks that i got (laughs) my mom got me these these smocks that have uh you know, like if you would go to a birthday party or something like a really or like a bar mitzvah, honestly, like some kind of like turned up, like lit kids party. Sometimes they'd have like a decal machine. Oh, yeah. Or you for could sure. like put a decal on a T-shirt or on. Something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, for sure. This my mom one time was like had a party at her work, <laughs> which is a hospital. And she like rolled. She was like, hey, I got these. I've had these things made. She's like, you may not like it. I don't know or whatever. And there were these like clear smocks that had like players from the New York Rangers like decaled on them with really heavy, like thick, papery, laminated decals. So we, we were like really into it and, uh, tried to definitely wore it at least once or twice for a show and just like <laughs> met with fucking some thousand yard stairs, like in a big way. Like people were just like not, or people were like, uh huh. 
Yeah, like they was just like didn't connect. But I still have them there. I'm like they honestly look like weirdly good though, which is maybe why people didn't like give any blank. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. I can't get a smock <laughs> reveal right now. I should unbox my smocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think we could wrap it up, and uh, I want to thank you guys for this is a good interview. for doing this. Yeah, this was. I learned a lot. I learned some facts about my friends that I didn't know. I thought I knew everything about you guys. Um, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all Facts about. Facts and baby. friends. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you. Thanks to Ezra and Mark for joining me to speak about their lives in music and beyond. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to 400 Floor wherever you get your podcasts. To hear the raw and uncut version of this episode, plus much more bonus material, you can purchase it at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. 400 Floor is a podcast produced by Nina Protocol, where two musicians pair up to talk about their roots individually and together and reflect on the communities that shaped them. We'll be back in a few weeks with another deep dive. Thanks for listening. <laughs>